Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here is your host, Jim Manfredonia. Very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come to Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, a great blessing for me to be here, a great joy to be here sharing this time together every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and praying you're having a blessed, happy, and holy January 11th. <laughs> is that what day it is? I'm, I'm I lose track. January 11th already. Woof. I uh, hope you're staying warm because, baby, it's cold outside. Uh, you know what? This wind is whipping and wind chills are low and typical January day, I suppose. Let's thank God that there's not a lot of snow and ice on the ground, that it's just cold. We can stay warm. I'm happy you're here. Hopefully you'll stay warm with me for the next hour and uh, share with you some of the uh, blessings of our faith. Um, and today, usually on Tuesdays, what I'll do is I'll go to... Uh, some of the Holy Father's teachings from over the weekend, his Angelus message. Yesterday he did speak and gave an address uh, also to the um, uh, diplomats, his annual address to diplomats, where he laments the cancel culture. So we'll talk about that. And also uh, in his Angelus message, he talked about reflecting on our Lord in prayer, how our Lord prayed. And uh, interestingly enough, I had also... Um, some information from the uh, Pew Research Center about Americans' prayer habits, how much Americans are praying or not. So we'll get to all of that. But first, let's pray, my brothers and sisters. As always, uh, I invite you to join me wherever you are, praying with and for each other, for each other's needs, very special prayer requests. We all have them. Uh, I know if you're like us and like I guess most of the country, just praying that this whole pandemic situation just goes away. <laughs> just, we've pretty much had it up to here, he said, putting his hand to his neck. I've had enough, uh, and I'm probably sure most of you have as well. We give it to the Lord. He is in control, and uh, just pray that this thing gets out of here. And also pray this year... Uh, for a greater holiness, personally, and also among members of our parish communities, our church, the country, that we become a holier people, and we become a more become a more united people. The division has to stop. There's just too much in all areas of life, so it has to stop. And it begins with us. It begins individually, right, to be unified. So I'm happy you're here with me. At this time, we are, although separated by many, many, many miles, and uh, through the beauty of technology, we can be united in this way, especially as we begin our time together in prayer. So let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we're continuing to pray our prayer of uh, consecrating our families to the Holy Family of Nazareth. So we pray, O Lord Jesus... 
You lived in the home of Mary and Joseph in Nazareth. There you grew in age, wisdom, and grace as you prepared to fulfill your mission as our Redeemer. We entrust our family to you. O blessed Mary, you are the mother of our Savior. At Nazareth, you cared for Jesus and nurtured him in the peace and joy of your home. We entrust our family to you. O St. Joseph, you provided a secure and loving home for Jesus and Mary and gave us a model of fatherhood while showing us the dignity of work. We entrust our family to you. Holy Family, we consecrate ourselves and our family to you. May we be completely united in a love that is lasting, faithful, and open to the gift of new life. Help us to grow in virtue, to forgive one another from our hearts, and to live in peace all our days. Keep us strong in faith, persevering in prayer, diligent in our work, and generous toward those in need. May our home, O Holy Family, truly become a domestic church where we reflect your example in our daily life. Amen. And we'll pray our prayers to St. Michael and the beautiful ancient prayer to Our Lady, as Holy Father asked, to pray these prayers daily to protect our church from the attacks of the devil. That's his special intention. And we've added to that to protect our homes, our families, and our country from the attacks of the devil. And I was reading from uh, Monsignor Rossetti's uh, blog. Monsignor Rossetti is the American exorcist. We had him on the program back in, in November. He's written a book called The Diary of an American Exorcist, where he states in there that Satan wants to take down America, basically. Uh, Satan does not want this country to exist. Uh, so we pray these prayers to protect our country also from the attacks of Satan. We pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God, do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. Saint Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And again, my brothers and sisters, I thank you so much for praying together, and thanks for continuing to send us your prayer intentions. You know, we were so blessed uh, throughout Advent and Christmas as you uh, sent back your uh, prayer intentions in the little envelope we provided with our December mailing. And I have been praying for you, praying for your intentions. They're in our chapel, in our special prayer basket uh, near the tabernacle, and in my daily prayers throughout Advent and Christmas, and even to this this day, they're still in there, and I'm still praying for you and your special intentions. I thank you for entrusting to me uh, those beautiful, beautiful intentions. And we're going to talk about prayer today and the importance of prayer. Holy Father talks about it in his Angelus teaching. And share with you, I will as, as well, uh, the recent findings, the recent, recent studies uh, on uh, Americans, we as Americans, our prayer habits, <laughs> or lack thereof, sadly. But there's such great power in prayer. 
Uh, you know, I, I think back to, I guess it was in the fall uh, or early fall, where Pope Francis was talking about praying to the Holy Spirit and invoking the Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, come. And he said, make it personal. You know, we know the, the, the formal prayer, come, Holy Spirit, come, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle them the fire of your love. We know that prayer. But Holy Father said, make it personal. When you pray, come, Holy Spirit, come. First of all, believe that the Holy Spirit is going to come. You know, we receive the gift of the, of the Spirit in baptism, and especially in confirmation, uh, to reaffirm that great gift of receiving the Spirit. And when we pray, come, Holy Spirit, come, as Pope Francis suggested, and I've been doing it ever since, make it a personal prayer for whatever your intention is, whatever you're uh, uh, praying for, and you pray, come, Holy Spirit, come, and you make it a personal prayer. Make it a personal encounter, a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I don't have personally— you know, I know I have many, many uh, viewers and listeners who uh, tune in to this program who have the great charism of speaking in tongues, and I don't have that charism. That's not one of the, the, the gifts that I have that the Lord has given me. Um, but I know many of you do. Uh, but we still can invoke the Holy Spirit and, and just call the Holy Spirit down into our lives and for our special requests, come Holy Spirit, come you know, whatever the, the intention is, to make it a personal prayer is very powerful. And in all of our prayer, sometimes I think we, we pray and don't believe enough that the prayer is going to be heard. Of course, we know every prayer is heard. Or we don't believe that the prayer is going to be answered, and there, too, we know that every prayer is answered. It may not always be the answer that we want, but every prayer is heard and every prayer is answered. And sometimes the prayer is answered quickly, and sometimes it takes a long time to get a final answer. The Lord along the way may say, as Bishop Sheen reminds us, just wait, just wait. In fact, I was—I think I—, I, I when I go through sometimes the um, Facebook or some of those uh, websites that have the, what they call it the memes, right? Um, this is one I found that I found very, very, for me personally, over the past couple of days, a very powerful one. This is what it says. God's plan is always the best. Sometimes the process is painful and hard. But don't forget that when God is silent, he's doing something for you. Right, And I think we all, at times in our lives, especially in our prayer, feel that way. God is silent, and he's nowhere to be found. Well, that's not true. The devil would love us to think that. The devil would love us to think that God uh, has a deaf ear to our prayers and turns his back and walks, uh, walks away too big for this little, little person down there on that planet. I, I'm too busy. But that's not true. God's plan is always the best. Sometimes the process is painful and hard. But don't forget that when God is silent, he's doing something for you. And in our prayer, we have to remember that. <laughs> we mustn't forget that. But again, because we are in a spiritual battle, 
of good over evil. The devil, the great tempter, uh, the, the father of lies, he'll always be trying to incite us to despair, to give up, to not believe, to have no hope, to bring us down and drag us into the muck and mire of being in a state of anxiety and fear and eventual despair. Our prayer should lift our hearts. And again, it's not always easy, especially the silence. The silence is the hardest part, isn't it? How many of you right now listening or watching are in that place where you've been praying? I have. I've been praying. Oh, my goodness, my brothers and sisters, we've been praying so hard for a particular intention. And it seems like there's just no answer. But we know that's not true. We know that God is doing something. God is at work. <laughs> you know, we have to remember, I, I say this all the time, and you know this. I don't have to tell you this. That God sees all, all things in the present moment. He sees tomorrow. He's there already. He sees next week. He sees next month. He's there already. We don't see it. We don't know what's going to happen the next minute from a minute from now. But God does. And so we pray, and we're bound by time and space. God isn't. God is where we're going to be an hour from now, a day from now, a month, a year from now. He's already there. And he knows along the way that the prayer that we're praying, the, the intention, the request, whatever that might be, now is the not, not the right time for that answer. Because I know what's coming down the pike. I know what's down the road. I know what's there for you next month, next, next year, five, ten years from now. I'm there. So trust me. Trust me. It's not easy, though, is it, brothers and sisters? It's not easy. It's a very difficult road sometimes. We're only on this planet for a short time. We're only in this world, in this life, for a very short time, comparatively speaking, to eternity. And again, being bound by time and space, it's not always easy. But in our prayer, we believe. We believe and we know and we trust that God hears and answers every single prayer in God's good time. Not our time. We don't give God our timetable. We don't give God our timeline. Here, God, this is what I want, and this is what I, what I want it by. Do this, 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 on this day, on that time. We don't give God that. We just give him our trust. We hand over our hearts to him and say, Lord, what would you have me do? I am here to know you, to love you, to serve you in this life so that one day I will be happy with you forever in the next. And along the way in this world, in this life, if we constantly communicate with God, and that's called prayer, we will always find ourselves at peace. We may not always get what we ask for. We may not always get what we pray for. 
And we may be asked many times to wait for that answer, final answer, whatever that might be. But we trust because we know God loves us beyond our understanding. And he only wants what's best for us. And in his permissive will, he will allow certain things to come into our life that he knows will always benefit us and our eternal salvation. Sometimes those things don't look so good to us when we're going through them. But in hindsight, how many, how many of us can look back on the course of our life and to see things that happen to us, circumstances, situations, individuals, people, even tragedies that occurred that we see now and say, now I know why that happened that way. And we may never know in this life. We may have to wait until we see our Heavenly Father face to face. But that shouldn't stop us from praying now. It shouldn't stop us from communicating with him now, from encountering him now. So let's, let's go to see what the Holy Father said, first of all, uh, from his Angelus message from Sunday, which, as you know, was the, we celebrated the baptism of our Lord. And he was reflecting on the gospel of the day, Luke 3, 15 to 16, and 20, 21 to 22, which recounts our Lord's baptism in the Jordan at the start of his public ministry. Pope Francis said, let us reflect on an important point at the moment in which Jesus receives baptism. The text says in Luke 3, 21, he was praying. And Pope Francis said, it's good for us to contemplate this. Jesus prays. But why, Holy Father asks, he, the Lord, the Son of God, prays like us? Yes, Jesus, the gospel repeats this many times, spends a lot of time in prayer. At the beginning of every day, often at night, before making important decisions, his prayer is a living dialogue, an intimate relationship with the Father. He said, the Holy Father said that Jesus' baptism showed a twofold movement in Christ's life. His descent into the Jordan River and his raise, raising of his heart in prayer. It's a tremendous lesson for us, the Holy Father said. We are all immersed in the problems of life and in many complicated situations, called upon to face difficult moments and choices that get us down. Well, again, think about where we are, what we've been going through, especially over the past couple of years, and, 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 and the results of, of this particular pandemic and, and, and situation that we find ourselves in. Holy Father said this is, you know, being immersed in these problems. And this is the problems of everyday life. Call to face difficult moments and choices that, that, that do get us down. But Pope Francis said, but if we do not want to be crushed, we need to raise everything upward. And this is exactly what prayer does, Pope Francis said. It does not, I'm sorry, it is not an escape route. It's not a magic ritual or repetition of uh, memorized jingles. No, he said, prayer is the way we allow God to act in us, to understand what he wants to communicate to us, even in the most difficult situations, praying to have the strength to go forward. 
You know, I was sitting in the chapel earlier today praying my rosary, as always, praying for you and your special intentions. And I was very, very dry in that prayer for some reason today. Going through the motions and a struggle even to pray today for some reason. But I knew in my heart that the Lord understood. Lord, I'm here. I'm finding it difficult to pray today in a formal way and in this rosary and my formal prayers, but I'm here with you. I know you're in the tabernacle. I know you're present right now. You know my heart. You know what I'm feeling. You know what I'm going through. And you understand. And I know the Lord understood that situation. I know that he wants to communicate with me in my difficult moments, he wants to communicate with you in your difficult moments, in difficult situations. And in just in the desire to pray is a prayer, isn't it? And we will receive the strength to go forward, Holy Father said. The Holy Father said that prayer opens the heavens. Above all, it enables us to have the same experience of Jesus by the Jordan River. It makes us feel like beloved children of the Father. When we pray, the Father says to us too, as he does to Jesus in the gospel, you are my beloved child. Now think about that when you pray. It opens up the heavens. We know the story of our Lord's baptism. Holy Father saying when we pray, well, the same thing happens basically. It opens up the heavens and we hear the same words from our Heavenly Father. You are my beloved child. And then he asked us, Holy Father did on Sunday, to review our prayer lives. To ask ourselves, do I pray out of habit, unwillingly, just reciting formulas, or is my prayer an encounter with God? You know, we... Think about how we pray. Do we just go through the motions and, and say the words and let our mind wander somewhere else? It's not always easy to stay on track and stay focused, I know. But do we allow ourselves and just, well, I said my prayers and I blah, 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 and I'm done. Amen. Or do we really make an effort to encounter God? Holy Father said we should also ask ourselves, am I a sinner always among God's people, never isolated? Do I cultivate intimacy with God, dialogue with him, listen to his word? Among the many things we do, let us not neglect prayer, Pope Francis said. Let us dedicate time to it. Let us use short invocations to be repeated often. Let us read the gospel every day. I know a couple of years ago, I think the Holy Father in one of his either general audiences, maybe it was, and he was giving out pocket New Testaments. <laughs> Keep it in your pocket, take it out, and read, read. You know, some most people, I believe, cannot get to daily Mass. Of course, we have it here every day at noon, broadcast it. So if you can't get there, you can listen to it. But we all have the ability to, to read the day's Mass readings, 
If you have your free domestic church media mobile app, the daily mass readings are in there. So if you can't get to mass, you can at least read them, and then you're reading, you're, you're reading the gospel every day. And he reminds us to do that. I, I, I remember someone once said, and I don't know how accurate it is, but I'm assuming it is. You know, we have uh, the liturgical cycles, the different readings um, over the course of, of uh, um, the two the two readings, each two different years. Where the, we have three cycles, A, B, and C cycles. I'm sorry. Anyway, if you if we read the mass readings for three years daily, because they do rotate. Someone once said that if we do that, if we either attend mass or read the, the daily mass readings uh, throughout the, the church's cycles, A, B, or C, that we will have read 90% of the entire Bible. That's pretty good. So make that a habit. You know, maybe we're still, some of us maybe are still working on our New Year's resolutions, <laughs> right? <laughs> have, have you been successful? As I said the other day, last week, you know, my, my New Year's resolutions always are to not make resolutions because you don't keep them. But I think a good one this year is to be work on our personal sanctification, to work on our holiness, to be holier this year by the end of the year. How do we do that? We pray, first of all. We communicate with God. We open the doors to heaven. We encounter our living God. We do more spiritual reading, especially the Gospels, especially the daily Mass readings, if we can get to them. And again, if you have your uh, free domestic church media mobile app, they're right there. And then to do great acts of kindness, mercy, you know, to work on our, our encounter with our fellow men and women, to be able to communicate and give witness All the other stuff that's distracting us in this world today, all the, the junk, all the garbage that's out there that distracts us especially from prayer can do us no good. Now, I, I don't want to start it because I, I, we're going to take a break in about two minutes, but when we come back, I will go to it. The, the, the survey that was done uh, recently um, by the uh, Pew Research Organization uh, that found out that fewer than half of American adults pray daily. So all that Holy Father just taught us, all that we learned from his teaching, his Angelus teaching on Sunday, and what the Church has always taught, what the Church continues to teach about prayer and the importance of prayer, this particular study which was recently done, found that fewer than half of American adults pray daily. And then we wonder why our country's in the shape it's in. Right? We wonder why there's so much trouble in this country, a country that was founded upon the understanding that it's in God that we trust not each other, not presidents or senators or congressmen. In God we trust. 
that we, the people, have been endowed with unalienable rights given to us by our Creator, they being the rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that we're all created equal by our Creator. And now we're finding that fewer than half of American adults pray daily. So I want to uh, go into more detail with that uh, particular study that was done. Because it is important, my brothers and sisters, it is important, as Holy Father said, that we do make time daily to pray throughout the day. I go back to my 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 uh, my friend Tebby the Dairyman from Fiddler on the Roof. If you ever, and most people are familiar with that play, I'm assuming that musical is near and dear to my heart because it was our senior class play back in 1972. <laughs> and yours truly played Tebbia. But Tebbia was always communicating with God. Yes, he had his formal prayer, of course, being a good Jewish uh, man, family man, husband and father, had their daily prayer, you know, but they would pray, but he would always be praying in effect because he'd be talking with God, just having conversation with him. We should all be doing that. That's prayer. But we'll get to the study in, and we come back from break because I don't want to start it and have to. We're going to break in a couple of seconds here. So uh, we'll get to that particular study. So stay where you are, my brothers and sisters, because uh, a lot more to come here on Come to Me. Don't go away. I will be right back. Sixty seconds with Mother Angelica. God created each one of us, but He had in mind, regardless of how we look from childhood to old age, we change physically, but we don't change in His mind. See? Why? Because God has a specific degree of union with Him, holiness, we call it, for every one of you. And it's all different. See, we're all different. And we are called to be different because it glorifies God. He just doesn't make robots. Now, why you say, well, why are some holier than others? Well, that's your fault. <laughs> that's not his fault. If we accept the good, the bad, and indifferent of every day, every day, we'll all be holy in a different way. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. 60 Seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Man who's free to love is free to hate. He who is free to obey is free to rebel. Virtue in this concrete order is possible only in those spheres in which it is possible to be vicious. A man can be a saint only in a church in which it is possible to be a devil. You say, well, if I were God, I would destroy evil. Well, if you did that, you would destroy human freedom. God will not destroy freedom. If we do not want any dictators on this earth, certainly we do not want any dictators in the kingdom of heaven. And those, therefore, who would blame God for allowing man freedom to go on hindering and thwarting his work 
are like those who, seeing blots and smudges and errors in the student's notebook, would condemn the teacher for not snatching away the book and doing the copy himself. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Teresa Tamio. Every time I go to Mass and see my husband serving on the altar as a deacon, it hits me how, with God, all things are possible. I mean, there is no way that we should be still married, number one, based on all the problems we had. But number two, the fact that I'm in Catholic media and my husband is a deacon is simply a testimony to the power of God and the teachings of the church that saved our marriage and, more importantly, our souls. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, heard right here on Domestic Church Media, weeknights at 5. Francis reminds us that it does not take a specialized degree in theology to become a great evangelist. We're all called to evangelize. Think about the woman at the well. After she encountered Jesus, she immediately went into the city and invited others to meet him as she had. You and I can go out now and do the same. And St. Paul Street Evangelization can help. Get involved today by contacting us at streetevangelization.com. That's streetevangelization.com. My family left the church because of a, a, a very negative experience with a specific priest. And that took my whole family away from going to church for a long period of time. There were other Catholic churches and there were great Catholic churches and great priests, but we stopped because of that one specific instance. And in a way, I was, I was cheated out a big part of my journey and my life uh, because we weren't in the church. In life, it seems like we're always enslaved to something. And I think that's, that's basically where our, what our culture is all about right now is we are, we are enslaved to power or to greed or to wealth or to lust. But there's a true freedom to not be enslaved, but to attach ourselves to God and to be free. My involvement in the church, my relationship with God is who I am. It, it's what gives me my identity. Thank God I'm home. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Bishop Robert Barron. Tolkien has reached out to, you know, Nordic culture and literature and Icelandic sagas and all sorts of things. He learned a lot about the good, the true, and the beautiful from his study of pre-Christian cultures. He used narrative forms that were accessible to the culture. He adapted that to evangelical purposes. So that shows you that flexibility. It shows you a certain um, creativity in the evangelical uh, art. He did not proselytize. Rather, he very delicately and indirectly and cleverly evangelized through the imagination so that someone taking in these great stories of Tolkien or his friend C.S. Lewis, they're going to say, oh yeah, I get that. I recognize that pattern. So that finally when they hear the gospel, they'll say, yeah, I understand that. I learned that from the Lord of the Rings. I learned that pattern from the Narnia stories. That was the genius of those fellas. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. Welcome back on this very, very cold January 11th. I think that's what day it is. I'm not, I'm not even sure anymore what day it is. Uh, yeah, it is January 11th. Okay, well, that works for me. So uh, thanks for being here with me, and we're going to continue. Uh, I want to share with you some information that um, 
I guess it came out a couple of weeks ago from the Pew Research Center on Americans' prayer habits. And uh, we'll do that in a second. Also go to um, a Holy Father yesterday spoke with uh, Vatican diplomats, his annual address, where he lamented the cancel culture. So we'll see how far into that we can get. But uh, before we do any of that, my brothers and sisters, I just want to remind you that, you know, uh, it is a cold. Now, th- these next couple of weeks, a few weeks, I guess, right, January, February, the the, the, the deep depth of winter, uh, people looking, you know, get a little cabin fever. But I see on our bulletin board there are some events coming up that are posted that are actually done by Zoom. So you, you don't, even, don't even have to go out. You can just stay in your home and do the Zoom. Uh, Justice and Peace ministry presentation is from St. Rose at Belmar and um, uh, other uh, Bibles. There's a Bible study. There's a Zoom option available. So, of course, you can go there in person, too. But I, I, I encourage you to go to our, our website, domesticchurchmedia.org, and up on the upper part of the screen... Uh, it says bulletin board. Just click on that, and our bulletin board comes up. The calendar comes up. There's a little circle on any of the date uh, dates that are on the calendar. That means there's an event posted. Just click on that event or events, and uh, you can check it out. You can also post an event. We don't charge for this. Uh, if you have something coming up you'd like to publicize, and people do go to this uh, page to find out what's going on, and I'm hoping that, uh, you know, I think uh, this year, March 2nd is Ash Wednesday. Easter is late this year. So Ash Wednesday this year is March 2nd. And uh, throughout Lent, I'm hoping there'll be other events that we can post for you. But, you know, we, we don't we, we can't do it unless you, you fill out the form. So check out our bulletin board page. That's domesticchurchmedia.org. And then up in the upper right-hand corner, there's a little link for bulletin board. You can see what is posted, and you can also then uh, uh, submit your event for posting. And then, um, uh, hopefully, within the next uh, month or so, uh, our good friend Bruce Tobacco will be back with uh, Come to the Throne. You know, Bruce and Linda moved. Uh, they now live in upstate New York, but we weren't going to let them get away that easily. So we uh, gave them some remote equipment, and uh, Bruce can do his program remotely from I guess well, it's now going to be a domestic church media satellite studio up in uh, Rochester, New York area. Uh, so we'll let you know when that's going to happen. And uh, I am going to have I, now. I'll share with you. I, you know, the past couple of years I've had a, a bit of a back issue. I was doing chiropractic, and uh, I went uh, uh, at the end of November, at, right after Thanksgiving, I went for a uh, an injection. Um, an epidural type of thing to see if, and that didn't really have much of an effect. So my doctor, my neurosurgeon, uh, said that, you know, if we want to get rid of this thing and get rid of this situation and correct it, um, he would do the surgery. And uh, it's not major surgery. It just requires a night overnight stay, you know, after the surgery. It's about an hour, an hour and a half surgery um, to uh, take care of the bulging disc and the nerves that being pressed by it, and then also the two other discs, there is some uh, stenosis, spinal stenosis. So keep that in prayer. It's a very common surgery um, with very, very little risk. Uh, but I said to Cheryl, I said, I would do it tomorrow if it can help me because the, the situation has gotten a little bit 
worse over the past couple of years. And uh, walking and standing is an issue. And, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to be there yet. <laughs> I want to I want to keep moving. So anyway, that's going to happen on March 9th. That's the day that my surgery is scheduled. Uh, they are recommending not driving for two weeks after that. So uh, I'll probably end up doing the program from my home studio uh, during that time. But just keep it all in prayer, you know, and hopefully by spring I'll be tap dancing. <laughs> I always wanted to be a tap dancer. I think it would be so much fun to tap dance. I never will in this life, but maybe God has a pair of tap shoes waiting for me in heaven. <laughs> all right, let's go. This survey is a little bit bothersome. Not a little bit. It is a lot. It's greatly bothersome. Fewer than half of American adults pray daily. And those who are, and we talked a little bit about this, unaffiliated with any form of religion, uh, those numbers have grown. Um, this is from the uh, Pew Research Center. And they did a study from May 29th through August 25th of last year. A national representation group of respondents found that 45% of U.S. adults say they pray daily. In 2007, so just 14 years earlier, right, would that be 14? I guess it would, from 21 to 7. Um, they, again, it was 45% in 2021, just a few months ago. 45% of U.S. adults say they pray daily. And in 2007, 58% of adults in this country said they prayed daily. 55% in 2014. So in just seven years, from 2014 to 2021, 10% of the population stopped praying who said they prayed regularly, daily. 32% in this study said they seldom or never pray. 32% seldom or never pray, which is close to the 29% of U.S. adults who consider themselves to be nuns, N-O-N-E-S, people who describe themselves as atheists, agnostics, or nothing in particular. This share of nuns, N-O-N-E-S, is now 6% higher than it was just five years ago. And 10% higher than it was a decade ago, showing what appears to be a trend of secularization. Now, I know you, our domestic church media family, who tune into this program and have the station on and watch on YouTube and, and write to us. I mean, you're, you, I know we're, we're, we're singing uh, to the choir here. But our responsibility now is to give even greater witness by how we live our lives. You know, to the people, to the 32% who seldom or never pray, and we probably know some of them, right? We have to give witness to the power of prayer. People will scoff and laugh at us and say, oh, that's ridiculous. God doesn't have time for you. But that's the devil speaking. The devil wants us to believe that God has no time for us. And then it says, even though Christians are still the largest religious group in the U.S., they now only make up a collective 63% of the adult population. 
Um, in 2007, so again, just 14 years ago, Christians identified them, people who identified themselves as Christians of the adult, adult population represented 78%. It's down to 63%. So it dropped 15% in 14 years, Christians. From 78% in 2007 to 63% in, in, in 2021. And the study noted that the decline in the number of Christians nationwide was mostly concentrated among respondents who identified as Protestant. Their numbers declined by 10% in the last decade and 4% in the last five years. The share of Catholics had fallen between 2007 and 2014 to 21% of the adult population, and that number has remained steady. So Catholics represent 21% of the adult population in this country. But again, our obligation is to give witness to our faith. But I know there's a, there is a domino effect. Many millennials, young men and young women, young adults now, you know, in their in their thirties probably, who were raised as Catholics in good Catholic homes, many millennials walk away from the faith, have walked away from the faith. They've become totally secularized. A lot of the blame on that goes to uh, educational institutions, higher educational institutions, colleges, universities, sadly, even some Catholic, so-called Catholic universities. But there's this pull into human secularism. And that's what I believe anyway is a great contributor to the decline in the number of people who are affiliated, affiliated with any religion, the, the nuns and, and those who have stopped praying or, or pray very little. And then we look at our country and we say, okay, so now we know. <laughs> now we know why this is going on in this, in this country, which at one point you know, was a very strong and faithful country, religiously speaking. So very, very sad. Now, also, Holy Father yesterday spoke to a uh, group of Vatican diplomats, I guess about a hundred and some, where he delivered what he called the State of the World Address and said that... Uh, International organizations were increasingly pursuing divisive agendas at odds with the long-standing values of many countries. Not infrequently, the center of interest has shifted to matters that by their divisive nature do not strictly belong to the aims of the organization. As a result, agendas are increasingly dictated by a mindset that rejects the natural foundations of humanity and the cultural roots that constitute the identity of many peoples. Holy Father said, I consider this a form of ideological colonization, one that leaves no room for freedom of expression and is now taking the form 
of the cancel culture invading many circles in public institutions. And the Holy Father was delivering, reading this address uh, in Italian, but when he came to the phrase cancel culture, he spoke English. Um, he said a kind of dangerous one-track thinking is taking shape, one constrained to deny history, or even worse yet, to rewrite it in terms of present-day categories, whereas any historical situation must be interpreted in accordance with a uh, hermeneutic of the particular time, not that of today. And, you know, we, in fact, Cheryl and I were just talking about this the other day, uh, about when we were growing up, and what things were acceptable. And there were some things that were acceptable, language and attitudes that were obviously wrong uh, regarding situations, peoples, races, religions. You know, we don't judge the past by today's standards. We grow, we learn, we improve. You know, there was that situation, and then, then without getting political, but it, it bothered me because I'm a, <laughs> I'm a Yankee fan. But, you know, every for a long time, every uh, Yankee game at Yankee Stadium, uh, at the seventh inning stretch, they would play uh, Kate Smith, you know, the old balladeer from the 1930s. Uh, my, my dad was a big fan of Kate Smith's. Uh, they would play her rendition of God Bless America over the PA, and people would stand and hold their hands over their hearts and sing. And then it came out a couple years ago that Kate Smith in 1931 had recorded a song that by today's standards is offensive to people of color. doesn't justify and make right what was done, but it was 1931. When at a time when it was acceptable to sing those particular lyrics. And it wasn't hate speech. It was just obviously derogatory uh, toward a particular race. But it was, at the time, it was, you know, sadly the accepted. But you don't judge that past by today's standards. So because of that, the Yankees decided to pull off and stop playing Kate Smith singing God Bless America because in 1931 she recorded a song with uh, particularly uh, offensive lyrics. All right, so you did that. But my point was at the time was, but wait a minute, Yankees. I love you. I enjoy watching you. I've been a Yankee fan all my life, but wait a minute. In 1931, you wouldn't allow any player on your team unless they were white. Right? I mean, it wasn't until the uh, mid to late 1940s that uh, the, the color barrier was broken in, in Major League Baseball. So in 1931, when you're judging Kate Smith singing a song that is offensive by today, some of the words, not even the entire song, just some of the words in the song by today's standards would be considered offensive. So you pull her off, you cancel her. Wait a minute, the same year, 1931, you wouldn't let any uh, African-American players on your team. (laughs) 
You know, I did the whole thing. So that's, I, this is what Holy Father is addressing here. Is, is it kind of a dangerous, a one-track thinking? Uh, and it's not to... to, to um, You know, accept what was done in the past because there are situations that occurred that we learned from. You have to learn from history. You can't cancel history. You have to learn from it. Um, and this is what Holy Father was was talking about. Um, he he said multilateral diplomacy is thus called to be truly inclusive, not canceling, but cherishing the differences and sensibilities that have historically marked various peoples. In this way, it will regain credibility and effectiveness in facing the challenges to come, which will require humanity to join together as one great family that, starting from different viewpoints, should prove capable of finding common solutions for the good of all. Um, I was watching another example. I was watching uh, an interview. This is probably an interview probably from about 30 years ago. Remember Tom Snyder? They used to have a, a program on late at night. Anyway, in this particular program, and I was watching it, he, he had from the old little rascals, now all grown up, Spanky, Darla, Stymie, and Buckwheat on as his guests. All grown up. And there they were. You know, we know, remember them from their, uh, the, the Our Gang comedies. We knew them as the little rascals on television. Uh, they would be on all the time. And uh, again, 19... 30s, these things were made, early 1930s to the late 1930s, when things were different. But Tom Snyder asked the, the actor who played Buckwheat and the actor who played Stymie, both of them uh, African-American, some of the things, and he said, some of the things that were in the films, you look back now and find them offensive. And both of these actors, grown men, said, well, at the time, they didn't really think that because there was nothing unusual about that. He goes, looking back now, I can say, judging by today's standards, yes, those are, there were some words and some things that were said that shouldn't have been said. But we were one of the gang. We were, <laughs> it was an integrated gang of children. They weren't segregated. They were part of the gang. So, you know, it, again, it's all a matter of, of when and, and time. But Holy Father is saying we, we can't cancel that and pretend it didn't exist. Then we don't learn from it. We don't change. So that was his point. And he was, just, he, was, he, was, he was just saddened and has been saddened by this so-called cancel culture where we, we cancel history. And we'll never, you know, if we, if we canceled the Third Reich, for us, because of all the horrible things that were done as part of that government and part of that, that, that ideology, we'll never learn from it. We'll repeat that history, unfortunately. But, you know, I was watching also the, the other night, you know, just trying to find some things light to watch. You know, all the news and all the other stuff just kind of drags us down. Uh, Rick Steves, who has these travel shows on PBS, uh, just was, he had this, he has, and it's been out every year for the past few years, around Christmas time, where he travels from country to country to talk about the various Christmas tra traditions. And I always think to myself of all these people doing all these different types of celebrations and families, and we're all the same. 
We're all children of God, different cultures, different look different ways, speak different ways, have different attitudes uh, towards how we live our lives, but we're all the same as children of God. Why can't we all just get along and accept each other's differences and, 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 and rejoice in each other's differences? So it makes us unique individuals, but we're all made in God's own image and likeness. And if we try to, uh, you know, just keep harping on this cancel culture and canceling things that we're going to make ourselves uh, without any history at all, never learning, never understanding, never appreciating even the history of each uh, individual culture. So that's what Holy Father was 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 talking to uh, the Vatican diplomats yesterday in his State of the World. Uh, address, uh, but interesting, I think, when to hear him speak, and he he used the phrase "cancel culture" in English, even though he was speaking Italian. Maybe there's no uh, there's no Italian translation for that cancel culture, uh, but he did use the English English language. So, anyway, we rejoice in that, my brothers and sisters, that we respect and love each other as children of God. And uh, I'm so grateful again for all you do for us here at the Apostolate. I'm going to ask you to pray for us. As we pray for you, you know, in these days when we all need need prayer, getting back to the beginning of our conversation today, as Holy Father shared with us, the need for prayer, the need for constant daily prayer, and to pray for those people who don't know about the power of prayer, and let's show them uh, how to pray if we need to. Have a great rest of your day. Stay warm. I'll be back tomorrow, God willing. My name is Jim Manfredonia. Thank you so very much for listening. God bless you, and God love you.